back to Portrait of an Editor. I am Francis Lombard. Here is my final New York Comic Con 2022 interview. Sorry it's taken a while. Plate's been a little bit loaded. So, thank you for your patience. I first talked with Scott Dumbier years ago on the eve of another New York Comic Con. You can find that talk on Portrait of an Editor's Patreon page. In our new conversation, we discuss his process of producing IDW's Artist Editions line. We also discuss the making of Scott's tribute to his friend Darwin Cook, the gorgeous Parker, the Martini Edition, Last Call. We also talk about Scott's first project, editing Darwin on DC Comics' Run of the Spirit. Enjoy! So Scott, thank you for coming on, Portrait of an Editor during busy New York Comic Con. Uh, you were here, were you here in 2019? Uh, okay, so did it miss a beat? I, in your it, eyes, it, it really, it really feels like you know, the, the next year. You know, a lot of people, a lot of foods, some notable absences, you know, different companies that aren't here. But overall, it feels like you know, Yeah, that is one thing. Like walking around, Marvel's here, DC's not, Dark Horse isn't. And I was talking to somebody else about San Diego, and that was sort of a similar situation where some bigger companies that usually are there weren't, but it made, it seemed like it made room for other companies to flourish a bit. I mean, what do you think? Do you think you need to have like the old standbys here, or is things change and that's a good thing? You know, I don't know. These shows are IDW, and what is your, I mean, Keith was telling me before the interview exactly what your primary agenda is here, and we'll talk about it, but is that of getting artwork and prepping for, like, the artist editions, is that, you're here working at the con, is that your major thing of, like, prepping the next artist editions, getting stuff together, because you are in New York City, and it's a location that people travel to? You know, I'm prepping for the next 10 artists here. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, uh, since yesterday, I've scanned, you know, a lot of art by a lot of really great artists, people that I want to work with and do books in the future. Uh, and I, you know, my, my schedule is filled up. process of 
having this traveling show. You bring your own scanner with you, and I know the first time we ever talked, you didn't want to really talk about your secrets, which is fine, but just the, this is different than most of the other editors I ever talked to, is that you're, you're this traveling show of getting, bringing a scanner to a location, having people come into the show. Are you reaching out months ahead of like to people in New York? Because I think you were, you originally were from this area, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm originally from New York City. So you're, what is the organization like to make something successful, you know, a visit to New York successful for this? You know, I'm in a sort of unique position because before I was an editor, before I went to work at Milestone for Ghibli, I was an art teacher and I dealt art, you know, for more than 15 years and I, um, I know person who was just here before we were live is someone I've known for 35 years and I scanned 60 pages that he brought and I sold them all to him. <laughs> you know? So uh, if I don't know where and if I don't know where something is, I know someone who knows where something is, which makes it very handy. And, and you know, I've, I've got a lot of, I mean, these people are my friends, so it makes it very easy to, to work on these books and scan all this art, because people know me and they trust me, and uh, they, they love artist editions and contributing art, and so it makes my job a lot easier. Now, because you know the art, do you have, do you keep files on where the art is, if it's being... You know who you originally sold it for, or they're selling it to. How do you, the winds take you on finding this? I, I am not nearly that organized. It's, it's in my head. It's all in your head. Yeah. And then you get updated if somebody sells a bunch of art to somebody else, or. No, I just you know ask. You know, I, you know, I, I know a lot of dealers that are friends of mine. You know, Albert Boyd's a friend of mine. Mike Berkey's a friend of mine. If I don't know where something is, I can find out probably. And you know, there are other resources. There are um, auction houses like Heritage. Yeah. Um, you know, things pop up there that are you know, incredibly rare. And I have a great relationship with people at Heritage. Uh, Jim Halpern and Todd Midnight, especially. They're both great people. They're fans. They're collectors. And they're very helpful. Before we started recording, you mentioned some of the books, your the plans you have for the artist editions. Is that something you sat down to say, I want to uh, create these and you know, make these happen? Oh yeah. Or is it something that you just found out about? A, I know where I can get this art. What, which is it? It's a combination. You yeah. Some things where I just, you know, I know where things are. I know people who have a lot of art, um, you know, and, and that's, and 
and that makes it easier for me to put a book together. And you know, I, I, when I when I decide which books I want to do first, it's generally if it's an artist whose work I really like. Okay. You know, I I don't really enjoy doing books artists that I'm not a fan of. Um, so I. Um, I'll figure out what books I want to do, and then I'll see what's available. You know, there are some books I've been working on for literally the last 10 years. You know, just, I haven't ramped up on them. You know, there are a couple of artists whose work I have scans of, and when I go to a show, or when I go to someone's, to see someone's collection, if they have a particular artist who I'm not necessarily working on at that point, I can still sort of archive, you know, I can get, you know, five pages by Artist X, even if I'm not working on the book, if it's something that I'm thinking maybe someday. So I, I do that a lot. Yeah, and, and you've been doing this for, what, over 10 years since you basically convinced, when you joined IDW, I think you started this up pretty quickly after joining them. Well, what happened was, uh, Ted Adams was really a great publisher. He had vision. And you know, he hired me after I left DC. And we uh, you know we talked at length about different kinds of things I wanted to do. And one of them was artist editions. And I and I told him that I completely understand if he doesn't want to do it, if he thinks it's not gonna make money. You know, and you know, I told him that you know, one way or another, I wanted to do this, whether it was for IDW or just self-publishing. And um, you know, honestly, I didn't expect him to do it because they are expensive books. Yeah. And you know, he said, "Let's give it a shot." And the first book was the Dave Stevens Rocketeer, which we just reprinted uh, an updated version of, um, and that was very successful. It went into a couple of printings immediately. It was well received by fans, well received by retailers. Uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Yeah. Well, I guess another lead into it is like, did you? What's the biggest surprise? Is the reception of this? Because you were hesitant to go to TED. Now you have 10 years or more to look back. And what is the thing that's surprised you the most about this journey? I guess the longevity. Do you have any idea how many artist editions I've done? Right, to be honest, not really. <laughs> a lot. Right I'm saying 35? 80. 80. I've been missing a lot then. <laughs> and I know you have like three different versions too, right? Well, I'm not, I'm not counting artists and editions because that's a completely different thing. Okay. And artifact editions are included in that, although we've ended artifact editions. We're just going to call them all artist editions from now on because honestly it was kind of confusing to people, <clears throat> which is my fault because I tend to overthink things. Um, so that's eight a year, pretty much, and on average. I did 13 one year. That's amazing. I was going <laughs> to die. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That's a lot just for you know, a regular um, comic. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do that many, but you know, Ted really wanted me to do that many. And so, you know, it averages out. I mean, there have been years where I've done two, you know, three. Um, the first couple of years, you know, I did one a year. You know, the first one was Rocketeer, the second one was uh, Walt Simonson. Uh, 
while they would EC. And then it just sort of grew from there. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest surprise is this for you, looking back, on top of the sort of the longevity of it, was there anything else for you personally about where this has gone, this journey has taken you? You know, one thing that, one thing about me as an editor is I trust my taste. If I, if I like something and if I want something, you know, I, I generally feel other people will as well. And that's sort of been the, uh, the case with uh, artist editions. Was entrusting your taste, was there ever one that you made happen that you were surprised of the success or just surprised at how it was received by the public? Not really. I mean, there have been some that I've been surprised haven't sold as well as I thought they should. Yeah. Uh, the Michael Golden Micronauts book. Really? Yeah. Really? But... <laughs> But that's also because that was before we started selling books through PRH, Penguin Random House. And Penguin Random House, I'm going to sound like a shill, but Penguin Random House really enabled us to reach a much greater market. Um, the last book that we did before that was the Microsoft book. And I think if, if that book would have gone through Penguin Random House, I think it would have sold more than twice because that's what we've sort of been experiencing I mean our numbers are doubling on arts editions you know we've found a market you know people who never knew these books existed and are now honestly rabid followers of them now where is it going what is the big difference where what are they doing getting in what market are they getting it into that they they have lot of experience. That's not my job. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't tell you, but you know, to me, it's like magic. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like when I use Photoshop to merge pages. You know, that's not real. That's magic. You know, same thing. So, one other thing that I really enjoy that I bought that you have your hands in was the last... Uh, I'm not saying absolute edition, the, the martini was, shot. The martini edition last call. Last call with uh, about Darwin Cook's, uh, the last two books that he did, adaptations he did for um, of Parker's. Um, that was, took a long time to get here. Was that, I mean, to get in my hands. I know, I think I've talked to you once about it and just watching it on the news. How did you handle COVID and the delays and what was it that took forever? It seemed to take forever. It's great. It's no, great it, looking. It, it, it was take, worth the wait. It did take forever <laughs> and, you know, as much as I'd like to blame COVID for it, and COVID had a little bit to do with it, but honestly, um, you know, I'm squarely to blame for it being so long and that's because, you know, Darwin Cook was a very close friend of mine. I was the best man at his wedding. It was a very difficult book to work on. It was probably the most difficult book on a personal level that I've ever worked on. And that's because the first book is so great, you know? I mean, Darwin Cook was not only a tremendous writer and artist, but he was a tremendous designer, you know? He... Can I curse? Sorry. Can I curse? Yes. He was yeah. a motherfucker of a designer. You know, yes. he was amazing. And you know that book. I mean, you know, I did a, a roundtable interview 
Brubaker. And, you know, it was, you know, I don't know, like 40 pages. And we were as honest as we could be about Darwin, you know, both the good and the bad. And it was a very tough thing to do and to transcribe and edit it and, you know, go through all that. But then also all the back matter in the book, I mean, 100 pages. It was really tough because, you know, people tell me how great it is. I'm sorry, it's not nearly as great as it would have been if Darwin had been there to, to do it. So, you know, I I, I told I told Marcia, Darwin's wife, that, you know, because she was mad at me, and rightfully so, that the book took so long. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I told her it was because, you know, you know, I had a ghost standing over my shoulder. You know, yeah. I mean, Darwin was the ghost in the room, and it, I kept on second-guessing myself. And then, you know, finally, you know, I just had to get it done. And, you know, luckily, people seemed to like it. Um, and, you know, and I have to, I have to talk about um, the design on the book. Sean Phillips designed it, did a phenomenal job, just a great job. the book that Ed Brubaker wrote that was a fantastic story. Um, when I approached Abby Westlake, Donald Westlake's widow, uh, she was not on board to do a new story, a brand new story, something that wasn't an, an adaptation, um, un until she read the story. And then she read the story and she loved it. And so, you know, she gave her approval, and then we went ahead with that. You know, it was it was it was probably the longest book I've ever worked on, and it certainly was the most difficult. There's a lot of things when I talk to editors over the years about being a first reader, but also being a professional and you know making that train just keep going. And I think maybe there's a. a Sometimes a lot of times the editor has to be, I guess, distanced emotionally, and this was something That's not me. You, you even when you on any books, and then so you know. I, okay, do you know how I got the gig working with Darwin at DC? Um, no, I don't. Okay, Darwin and his previous editor had a falling out. They had some issues. Reputation for working well with difficult people. Alan Moore. <laughs> and so Dan DiDio called me up and he asked me if I wanted to work on the spirit with with Pruitt. And you know, my reaction was, of course. Yeah. You know, and then and we you know we knew each other but not really well, but we became very good friends. But 
I once told you that I was a phone guy, and that's true, I'm a phone yeah. guy. You know, I like having relationships with people that I'm working with, you know, I think that's important. I think just having, you know, a distant relationship is counterproductive. So that basically is that <laughs> you can't help but sort of establish something beyond just professionalism. There has to be a connection there, you know? Yeah. I mean, otherwise, I'm just making, you know, widgets or whatever they, whatever they call them. So it was just putting this book together, it just, everything came out. You're just a raw nerve, it sounds like it at times. What, but uh, Last Call? Yeah, Last Call. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, I'm happy with the way it came out. I wish it would be better. Because you know, I'll always think about what it could have been, and, and the same thing. I'll, you know, I always think about the three or four books that we were planning on doing. You know, we were planning on doing Butcher's Moon, another Parker book. We were planning on doing this crazy book about about Howard Moore that was basically all the design parts of the Fountain Pen. You know, just <laughs> crazy stuff. And again, this idea. Of this, Format that was, you know, out of, out of like Chris Ware land. And then he had this apocalyptic end of a world story that was going to be a graphic novella that was such a great idea and so cool. But, you know, so I'm sorry for all the things that we aren't working on. Yeah. I'm really happy what you were able to include in that edition was those painted uh, pieces that were part of the uh, the line of the reprint of the novels and just all those. I was just happy to see what was there because I had that first book that you guys released, but I was like, there's got to be more out there, and it was so nice to see them and have them on that huge format, and they're gorgeous. I mean, and it's a different. It's seeing his artwork in a different way, in a different approach that you just never saw. So, I, I, I no matter what, I, I'm damn impressed by what it was as as a release. So. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that, you know, and I'm glad people like it. So, what else are you working on now? You have, how is IDW, how is IDW keeping you even, you know, busy with everything else? Is there anything else you're working on? that we should be looking forward to? Um, you know, besides artist editions, I work on a few creator-owned books. Um, one of them is Ragnarok and Walter Simonson. Yep, gorgeous. Uh, going to be returning sometime. Not, I wouldn't say soon, Walter's not the fastest guy in the world, uh, but he's one of the best. Yeah. And then uh, John Lehman and Nick Bradshaw are following up the first scanning. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and have a great you know, New York Comic Con 2022. It looks like I think comics are back. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time. I appreciate it. Actually, 
actually, can I plug one thing? Sure. Uh, I am going to be at uh, Baltimore Comic Con at the end of this month, and I'm uh, running a charity art auction for Euro Initiative. So uh, anybody who is uh, inclined, check out their website. Uh, the art's up online uh, right now, but more is coming. Uh, we'll have dozens of pieces done especially for this auction. Guys like Mike Mignola, Robert Simonson, Kelly Jones, a whole bunch of different people. Oh, okay. I'll reach out to you and make sure I get links and do everything. Yeah, great. Sounds like a great thing. Yeah, Hero Initiative, I contribute to that. It's it's a great thing, great service. Yeah. So, well, have a great con, and I'll see you around. All right, man. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you very much.